Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity an anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity 2024. It's hard to believe I started this in the fall of 2019. Four years, over four years, this fall will become five some days I just sit back and I think, where's the time gone? (laughs) We have some new stories this year. Yay. I've had a lot of my listeners reach out saying, I do have a story. I just don't know where to start. And so they have been coming in. But what's interesting is I've received a lot for the Patreon as well. In fact, um, when I'm done recording this episode, I need to start with that one because that's a five-part episode. It is a very long story that this gentleman sent in, and so it's almost like a little segment, so to speak. Segment? Mini-series? Maybe mini-series. I don't know what I'm talking about. The day I'm recording this is actually Christmas Day. Yeah, the Marine isn't even here, if you can believe that. His dad passed away, and he had to go out to Colorado. He ended up driving out there so that uh, he could have a vehicle to bring things back if needed. So he is out there with his sister and brother-in-law, and hopefully he will be back later this week. He's got to get back to work. But uh, So it's been a real weird, quiet Christmas. If you've been listening to me for years, you'll remember that three years ago, my husband passed away. He had surgery on December 16th and then never came home. And um, that was a pretty dark time. And it sadly, it just, um, with Maureen being gone and all of that, it's just bringing back some of those memories. So I am trying to stay positive. So I thought, well, let's give it a try and record an episode. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so thankful you guys are here. I hope that... The month of December was good to you and that you guys had a good holiday season and here we are, it'll be a new year and another year older. Yeah, that's just great. (laughs) Anyway, today's story is from Melissa. We'll go ahead and get started on her story now. My childhood growing up was not terrible. At the age of five, my parents divorced. I had a two-year-old sister at the time. 
Of course, I didn't know then it was because of infidelity on my mother's part. I recently inquired about this and my mother shared with me a tiny bit of information related to the past. My mom and dad both remarried. At eight years old, I found out my dad wasn't my real father and that was a huge blow for me. I was a rambunctious kid and blatantly neither of my step-parents' favorites. As I got older, I learned my mother had me a bit young at the tender age of 16, and she turned 17 a month after I was born. She had also had an abortion at the tender age of 13. My mother was not a victim. She was promiscuous. Growing up, I always felt like an outsider, like I just didn't fit in and honestly a bit unwanted and sometimes unloved. When I was little, I dreamt of being a lawyer, and the other times I thought a stay-at-home mom life would be quite dreamy. My dad told me that when I was five, I would always say I wanted five kids. And today, with his, hers, and ours, we have five. I always knew I wanted that many kids, and to always have a place and belong to someone. At 14 years old, while living with my mom and stepfather, I became sexually active and started getting into a bit of trouble, hanging out with the wrong people, smoking pot, etc. They sent me to live with my maternal grandmother. Here I had a few boyfriends while in high school and two of them were particularly meaningful relationships. True loves. I've had three true loves in my life, and I am currently still married to the absolute love of my life. We'll call him Scott. I was even married once before to Tim, but I was truly never in love with him. I cheated on Tim too with our wedding singer DJ two nights before the wedding. I had my first son with Tim, and we married six days after turning 17. Tim was 21 and in the military. He was leaving town for the army and I wanted to go with him. I just wanted out of my house even though my mom had moved back to the area and was now divorced from her controlling husband. I got pregnant three months later and Tim turned out to be abusive. So I left Fort Campbell where we were stationed and came home. Five years later in 2000, when internet dating was way sketchier, I met a man and was conned, basically. Ended up pregnant after a month and a victim of identity theft. Trauma, trauma, trauma. This was a very difficult time of my life. My perfect credit score was destroyed that I had worked so hard for. I had to file for bankruptcy on my home and reassume that debt and decided if I ever wanted to have another child on my own, which I did end up having. I met my husband, Scott, of 19 years in the third grade. We were boyfriend and girlfriend briefly in the seventh grade. I always thought he was such a cutie. He had a mullet with gorgeous blonde hair and blue eyes and a pointy nose, which I love. Attraction was always there for both of us. I reached out to him as an adult, but he was married and not available. We visited as friends, and he later told me 
She threw plates at him for this. I saw him in town with his family once and just waved. I am not a homewrecker. I would, a few years later, bump into him at an Easter egg hunt that we both took our kids at to a local park. He was then separated from his wife of five years because she had been cheating on him relentlessly. We exchanged numbers and then I found a reason to call him up. We've been together ever since. The passion was intense. He's a wonderful lover and I fell in love so fast. I wanted him to myself so badly, to take care of him and to show him how much love he was worthy and deserving of and spend my life with the most selfless, sweetest, most giving person I know. That is the truth. A year later, we were married. We quickly had two daughters back to back and things were very tough. I quit working because daycare was unaffordable for two littles under two years old. Scott is a musician, and I have always encouraged him to pursue his passion because he is a very talented, self-taught whiz. He wrote music and started a band, enjoyed myself thoroughly, and I loved this for him. This took tons of time away from the family for band practices twice a week and then shows, and in addition to this, he worked very hard for all of us. His work ethic is ridiculous and commendable. But I was lonely and depressed. I sat at home thinking about all the hot women drooling over my hot guitar player husband up there on the stage, shredding it up, just beaming in the limelight. I wished I could be there to support him and get out of the house too. But even this felt bittersweet because the couple of times I could go watch, it was hard to sit in the cigarette smoke and listen to other local bands that were not good but also played for fun and especially me not being a drinker either. He really couldn't hang out with me too much as they had to set up and socialize and then play and break down. So I stopped trying. I never cheated during all this time. I figured all these women were throwing themselves at him and most definitely their bras. I never suspected he cheated on me, but I questioned the lifestyle a lot wondering how not. I buried my emotions and feelings. Years later, after I returned to the workplace and life was carrying on, my husband had a midnight seizure and he was lifelighted to a bigger nearby hospital. Whilst in his ICU room, his phone rang, so I answered it. My heart dropped even more when I realized it was an old girlfriend he loved very much back in middle and high school. She called because she was worried when he didn't show up for their trip to the doctor's office to find out more about his tumor that he couldn't talk to me about. Then she showed up in his ICU room, in front of my dad, two of his brothers, and doctors. We were all clueless about this tumor, like maybe that's why he seized. No. Nope. All bullshit. When he awoke from death, I was so happy he was alive that what I assumed was an affair, I pushed way down inside me. I know for a fact that at the very least it had to be an emotional affair, or what was the point of the whole thing? It hurts so bad. He said it was never a physical affair, just that he was messing with her mind as payback for how she had hurt him all those years ago, also by cheating on him. 
But in my mind, even if he'd had an affair, I loved him anyway, and I wasn't leaving the relationship. It took me a long time to move on. I got very depressed. I was always crying in bed, and my anxiety was always at a 10. I felt so unsure about my whole marriage. I didn't let him touch me, even though I craved his physical touch. His loving, caring, physical touch. It just always felt like he ever only wanted to touch me when he wanted sex. I felt like meat, and unwanted meat at that, just available. I still think today if he had died, I would always believe he had cheated on me. At this point in my life, I know he did not cheat on me, physically. He has told me of an opportunity that he did have and he turned it down. This hurts severely nonetheless. It makes me feel like I'm a monster. Like I failed so hard at the life I wanted so desperately. I truly have a wonderful man. Our sex life has always been good when we have sex. My libido suffered much as a young mother and woman. My husband is a bit kinky, and he's always wanted to have a menage a trois, and he's always pressured me for this. I know this is why I've always felt like I was not enough for him. I didn't do enough sexually. I don't know how to talk dirty. I guess it just doesn't come natural for me. I didn't give enough oral sex, which he enjoys just as much as the next man. Just not enough. Also, I cannot kiss my husband deeply with the amount of passion that I feel for him, that I would like to because of his oral health. I take pride in a nice smile, clean teeth, and fresh breath. When he smiles, one cannot tell so much, but I know. It's a bit of a passion killer turnoff. As I type, he has an appointment to rectify this, and I'm so happy. As I've gotten older, 44 now, I've really loosened up sexually. I'm more comfortable in my own body, trying riskier things in the bedroom. My husband offered again for me to have two men in the bedroom as well, if he could have the two women. Though I've never really had a particular fantasy, it started to sound a bit more acceptable and even a little fun. We had been working to heal our marriage without the help of any counseling after my husband discovered some online messaging between me and another man, a guy I used to go to middle school with. And things were actually really, really freaking great. Only a bad choice led me to reach out to one of those three formal loves of my life. We'll call him Jason. I ran into Jason's sister, who told me his wife had died of an aneurysm in his arms and he had fallen into drug use and was in prison. My husband knew of this guy, knew I had loved him, even knew I had great sex with him, and so there was a bit of a jealousy there. I knew this. But instead of asking my husband if I could just write an old friend letters of support while incarcerated, I just did. I had the return mail sent to my mother's address. So we corresponded through mail for a while, and then occasionally he would call me from prison during my work hours so my husband wouldn't know. Jason did ask me if I would write him dirty letters, to which I told him, no. I told him that I had already been caught basically doing something to that effect through messaging, and I would not be doing that again, but that I was happy to be his friend and support system. 
All the letters and phone calls were platonic. I never signed I loved you at the bottom or said it over the phone. I did this consciously as I love my husband and I would never tell another man I love them when I don't. But he did. I took that as a basic thank you. Thank you for being there. Everyone else had stopped communicating with him and being a healthy, clean support system. He felt thrown away, forgotten. He told me he was on the verge of seeking out heroin in prison for an overdose because he was ready to give up and die. He said I saved his life. I felt sad for him. My mom questioned me. She knew who he was and about our past. I told her it was just strictly friends, and after a while it became a chore to sit down and write a letter. My life seemed boring, nothing to write about. I wrote about my life and my husband and my family. I was tired of doing it, but I felt obligated, like I couldn't just stop and abandon him too like everyone else had. This chore went on for two years in secret. I literally lived my life like normal the whole time. It didn't affect my day-to-day goings-on. It just wasn't something that took up a lot of headspace for me. It was a chore. On one hand, I felt like I was being a good friend and a good human being. But on the other hand, I did feel like a liar and not good about myself for hiding such a stupid thing as letter writing from my husband, who probably would have understood. But I was scared the jealousy factor would burn the house down. As Jason got closer to getting out, he called a little bit more. I think hearing his voice and laugh and the sense of humor brought me back to a feeling of nostalgia and I felt younger. I had been feeling really old about now. He wanted to see me and hug me and he said when he got out and thanked me for saving his life while he was in prison. I felt totally comfortable with Jason, like I could trust him. I knew him. I thought he wouldn't hurt me and I wanted him to meet my husband and have us all become friends so that Jason would have a clean, sober and healthy support system on the outside. After all, they did have stuff in common. I let my mind run rampant and I felt a little dizzy and excited. I asked Jason to join my husband and I for a threesome for myself. He agreed. It didn't take long, but he said he wanted a practice run first, just the two of us, so it wasn't awkward. Unfortunately, the timing lined up just right. My husband and daughter, last one in the nest, had a hunting and camping trip planned for the following weekend after he got out, and it would be the only opportunity for such a thing to ever happen. So I did. He was supposed to reciprocate with a follow-up in the bedroom for the menage a trois, and then I planned on fulfilling my end of the deal with my husband. I flip-flop in my mind back and forth so much. I told myself I could always back out no matter what. When the time came, though, I had two shots of liquid courage tequila and the memories of Scott's old girlfriend walking into his ICU room in front of my dad pushed me over the edge. I was angry and crushed all over again. I even said to Jason right beforehand, well, I'm pretty sure he did it to me. Tears flow, I hate myself. I hid all this for my husband too. Then I came home one day about a week later and told him the sex gods had dropped a gift in our lap 
that I ran into Jason and thought maybe we could use him for me to start our bedroom endeavors and that we had been talking so much in recent months. How Jason just got out of prison and I'd like them to meet. So we set up dinner at our house. My husband cooked and my kids met Jason and it wasn't a good night. My intention of making Jason feel comfortable came off like me looking like a lovesick puppy dog in front of everyone, apparently. My husband immediately suspected. I had been deleting text messages and phone calls off of my phone. Then about three weeks after my affair, I accidentally left my phone at home while I ran an errand. My daughter was with me when my husband called me on her phone and told me that it was over, we were done. He had found the deleted messages and a couple of pictures on my forgotten phone. His gut feeling was telling him things weren't right and he went searching. My husband did not want to have him in our bedroom after meeting him. He decided this before discovery day, and so the menage a trois was already off, which I was actually truly relieved for. But now he knew. We had already had sex, alone, in our house, our bed, twice. I knew in my heart of hearts that this would never happen again already. But I cannot convey that to my beloved husband because I did it. I'm an established liar when I despise liars. Trauma for my identity fraud days. Now I'm a liar, a deceiver, and a cheater. I'm still trying to figure out within myself how I could go through with it. I don't know how, and I don't know why. It's been a year now. I feel at this point it was revenge, 11 years in the making. The hurt was so deep, and I never truly processed it or dealt with it at all or the sexual problems I feel like it created in our marital bedroom after his emotional affair. Never got any professional counseling. I felt vulnerable. I'm in perimenopause, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it sure feels like it. I felt hypersexualized at the time. My hormones are still out of whack, and I feel so fucked up. I think I felt entitled, oppressed, caged up. I felt unloved a lot in our marriage. I felt barely tolerated and was told to kick rocks a lot at one point. I've always just been waiting for my husband to leave. What I really did want to convey most of all is that I didn't not love my husband at the time of the affair. I did, very much so. He says I didn't love him at all if I could do that. But this is just not factual. I felt like I was in MLC. I've caused so much trauma, hurt, and anger within my family and children. I was going to take it to my grave if I ever told my husband because, in my mind, it was the worst decision and mistake I'd ever made and I didn't want to lose my husband or marriage. Often I question this in my own mind, though myself. I don't know that the guilt would have eaten me alive or I'd have to come clean to live with myself. It was never hard to leave the affair. I wasn't in love with Jason. I am in love with Scott. I feel guilty about offering a friendship and support system and then I pulled the rug out from under both of them. I understand why my husband wants no contact. I used to feel like things were a little unresolved, but that has passed. I did send a text message with husband's help saying, don't contact me. I'm blocking the number. 
I eventually changed my number a short time later. This whole situation felt very scary and dangerous. Scott was so angry. Jason taunted Scott over it, rubbing it in his face, saying really awful things over the phone and some untrue things as well. They even got into a shouting match across the highway when work put them in too close a proximity, threatening to fight, leaving items in my driveway with ambiguous messages to upset my husband and myself. He's just a jerk, not a good human being, certainly not someone I thought really cared about me. I have everything I need and want, so I absolutely have closure. Some small part of me wishes he had to suffer even a small amount of what I have had. However, I know I brought this problem wholly upon myself. I started to self-harm for a while. I feel like I need to be punished. I feel like I shouldn't get to keep breathing sometimes for the way I've made my husband feel as a human being. So demoralized, devalued, unloved, undesirable, and unwanted. I'm still struggling to forgive myself. I think that'll be a lifelong endeavor. It's pretty unforgivable, really. My husband Scott and I are reconciled. I wasn't sure that this would happen in the beginning. I destroyed my beautiful husband all over again and what his first wife and girlfriend had done to him, plus a few others. I'm working hard to rebuild him. He is so worth it. I only hope I can. Am I worthy of the chance? I know I am. It's just proving it day by day to him. It's literally all I can do. Show him day by day. This year has been the hardest of my life. A lot of soul searching, reading lots of books, consuming tons of podcasts and online help where I can find it. We still have done very little real counseling as he says it's too traumatizing for him to keep reliving it during sessions and would rather handle it and deal with it on his own. People, such as counselors he has talked to, tell him to leave me, which angers me and depresses me. Not all counselors are good and know what they are doing. This marriage is salvageable and these kooks are out there eroding a marriages further still. I'm starting solo counseling again here soon. I'm depressed. I still want to hurt myself and I feel lost. I'm working on myself. I know he is working on himself a little bit too. Although I can't get him to seek out real counseling, he mentioned to me feeling like he had some part in how our marriage got a little lost. This helps. I don't blame him. It's not his fault. I take full responsibility. I know this shitstorm is my fault, and I tell myself all the time, well, it's your own damn fault. It's never okay to cheat. Never. I am hopeful and filled with adoration and love that he wants to change things within our marriage for the better to make it stronger and impenetrable. He still tells me he loves me every day, tells me he is in love with me, I worry so much about him. He's taken 10 years off of his life with the heavier drinking that ensued after Discovery Day. He broke a hand and dislocated a shoulder, punching shit. But he's never hit me. He's an angel among men. I am grateful every day for still having him in my life. Recently, he told me the way he has come to deal with it in his mind is that he has divorced the old me 
with my maiden name in his head, and he now focuses on the relationship he has with the new me, the one with his name. This hurts, but I'm also grateful and I understand. I will always show up as the new me completely and utterly faithful to a fault. I have no doubt about this, because I cannot live through anything near as painful as this ever again in my life. He is my best friend and my best lover. My children are all at different stages with it. My boys seem to be more forgiving. I am also their biological parent. My oldest daughter hardly talks to me. She does. It's just not the same. I think I've lost her. My youngest sees the progress and love we still have for each other, but she has also had to still occasionally see my humongous puffy eyes and hear my sobbing through the walls. I don't expect sympathy as I know I've caused all of the agony for everyone. It is hard to live with. I've contemplated not. I've never had many friends as I'm more of a homebody person. So not having someone to talk to and vent is very mentally taxing. I'm struggling hard every day, one year out still. This particular time of year is especially triggering to say the least. Like everyone else, I'd give anything for a time machine. I'd take it back. I'd seek a way out to work through my previous issues. I'd open up and actually talk to my husband. He's a wonderful listener and a long-winded rebuker. Full of helpful advice and can surely make one really regret their choices more than they thought possible. And he's holding back at that. Still I stand. I love my husband. I should have come to him. I should have told him about the letters. There is nothing I can't come to him about. I know that now. It took a very hard, devastating lesson to learn that. But I have. I'm much stronger now. I won't be easily taken advantage of. I put stronger, more visible boundaries up with people. I make sure to thank my husband and show and tell him how much I truly appreciate everything he does for me. The shame and guilt is crippling at times. Songs, TV shows, commercials, Facebook posts, random conversations, etc. I hate myself. I will never truly forgive myself, but I'm working on learning to love myself and that I am enough. I've done evil, cruel things in regards to my husband's feelings, and just now I showed my love. He is my better half. He is amazing, and I will share a few of his wonderful qualities now because he is way more than what I did to him. He is a wonderful father, gorgeous, wickedly funny, wicked smart, sexually in tune, amazing lover, hard worker, ethic to kill for, so giving, warms my truck up in the morning and bedside at night. A fabulous cook and barbecue guy. A Martha Stewart home laundry cleaner. He pays the bills. Genuinely a nice guy who says he always finishes last. I love and adore my husband. I regret and always will my choices. The affair was not worth losing my cherished life for. Even though this year was the toughest of my life, it also has a special place in my heart too because we made so many memories that we never would have before this happened. And in that sense, it was the best year of my life too. 
bittersweet as hell and so sad. We are working together to make our marriage stronger and better than ever before. I have faith we will get there. I share this in hopes that if someone else is contemplating having an affair, just don't. Just please don't. Talk to your spouse or leave your spouse first. But do one of the two. It doesn't just hurt your spouse's self-worth and feeling of belonging in the world, but your own. Get counseling. Seek help for your unresolved childhood trauma or whatever it is. Just don't cheat. It's never right. It cannot be undone. And that is a scary, devastating thought. It haunts me. Rebecca, thank you for taking the time to hear this out. I feel like I may have rambled a little. I'm really hoping this helps me to start the process of forgiveness towards myself. Melissa, where do I begin? I can personally relate to a lot of what you said. But first, I want to go back to a few other points that you had. Um, You had mentioned... I don't know. I mean, I don't think you intentionally, um, I was going to say consciously, but intentionally went in to talk to your friend Jason with the intent to be unfaithful to Scott. But the first part, and you see that now, is you were hiding it. And anything like that, when we hide, it's a form of deceit. And even though you didn't seem to feel like, well, it's no secret, it was the way you went about it, right? With your mom's address and all of this. Um, And it makes sense that, uh, you know, after talking to this person for two years, that you would develop some feelings. And so with the pressure of your husband wanting to try the threesome and even with two men rather than just two women... It gave you something to think about, and you felt like this might be a safe way of going about it, somebody you knew, and it sounded like things just got a little out of hand. Um, Your husband does sound like a great guy, but he also sounds like he's made some mistakes in his life. Um, An affair, whether it's physical or emotional, is still an affair. If you are confiding in somebody your deepest, darkest secrets that typically are only reserved for your spouse and you're sharing it with someone else, that is considered an affair or in the Bible, a sin. Um, And so sadly, Scott was no innocent person throughout this. And I don't think he has beat himself up in any way, shape or form the way you are to yourself. So going to you, as I read your story, you you show positive, forward thinking, and then you come back to, I'm a horrible person. Forgiveness of yourself is the hardest thing to do. And for me, it's been 13 years, I think now, over 13 years. And I still struggle with it. And I've mentioned this before, and it's not even so much what I did to my ex-husband, Um, And I know that sounds bad. I have forgiven myself for what I did to him. He's moved on. Life is better. You know, we've moved forward. But it was how it affected my children and how I lost 
and sorry when you said you lost your daughter. I get it, because my son and I are not nearly as close, because I lost him literally in the divorce, and he was with his dad, and I missed out on a lot. And even though I love him and I take care of him and he's going on 23 years old, it's still a failure on my part. And so for you and your relationship with your daughter, I get it. And I'm sorry. And I hope that someday she's able to come back and talk to you more about it as an adult as she goes through life and experiences her own relationships and things like that. And she asks you questions so you can answer them honestly. Um, I think the number one thing that's important though, and it's just like, you know, they teach us when you say you're ugly, you turn ugly. If you say you're a bad person, you turn into a bad person. And Melissa, I do not think you're a bad person. I think you made a poor choice. I made a poor choice. Many women and men who are listening to this podcast have made that choice. But that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't help anybody when you say you would like to just be out of this life because what happened has happened in the past and you're moving on from it. You're right. You can't go back from it. But death is final. And those children would have to live with that. Not understand why their mom felt like this. And so I implore you to please look to therapy for that. Because I know you're a good person in there. You are a good person. And forgiveness from others and yourself is going to be a hard thing for you to accept, but you, you have to take it and you have to move forward and say, I own what I did, which is what you say. It was a mistake is what you say, but I know it's only been a year, but you, you've got to be able to think positive, keep moving in the positive direction, keep that communication with your husband open. It sounds to me like he is really wanting this marriage. So look at it from that aspect. Let's just move forward. Your past is always going to be there, but just keep moving forward. You have a life ahead of you. You're still, you're in your forties. You're not that much younger than me. We're still lively. We have grandchildren times coming our way. You know, there's so much more to life and you need to just take each day by day, as you are for him, but for yourself. And know that you're going to be okay. And this guy turned out to be a complete asshole. I mean, what a creep, taunting your husband and doing shit like that. That's not okay. You know, so definitely there was a lesson learned that you were like, oh, God, why'd I do this? Um, Because he turned out to be lesser of a person than you had hoped he would be. And I did want to make one other comment when I was reading earlier. I'm in medical now, but I spent 33 years working in dental and oral hygiene is a big deal. 
when you can smell periodontal or the teeth rotten and stuff like that, it's, it is a big turnoff. It is flat out gross. So I understand your resistance on that. I don't blame you at all. And hopefully he's gotten some health care with his teeth and gums to make it better. Um, when I was looking for somebody new in my life, <laughs> part of what I wrote was must have um, nice teeth and not be missing any. And that doesn't count the wisdom teeth because those are extra. But, you know, you don't like somebody smiling and missing their front tooth. Unfortunately, that's just not something that I'm attracted to, I guess you could say. And working in people's mouths all those years, it's... Ugh. So when when I read that, I actually made a sound and I had to <laughs> stop and back it up and redo it because I didn't want to sound judgmental or rude or anything because I try not to judge on this, as you know. But hopefully that's better. I know I'm rambling now and I want you to reach out to me anytime if you feel like you need to get something off your chest. Remember, you've been given a second chance. You've got to let go of what happened. Yes, it'll always be there, but you cannot let it control your future. It's not worth it. You have a beautiful family, I'm sure, and a great life. And let's just keep our face towards the sun looking for that happier, healthier times. And let's just let that be in the past. Work on that forgiveness and keep moving forward. Thank you so much for sending in your story. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. The other guys that I had been stationed with complained about their wives going out dancing with their friends. They were sure that their wives were cheating, but had no proof. When I came back home, I noticed that my wife didn't come to bed until after midnight. Several times, she was just coming to bed as I was getting up for work at 4 a.m. She always said that she had lost track of time while watching TV. When I found out about her infidelity, I moved out. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com.